Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. It's a great word because you are a great God. And now, Lord, we pray that as we together open your word, that, Lord, we, that you would come as our teacher and instruct us out of your word now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Genesis chapter 46, verse 5. Jacob rose up from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried Jacob, their father, and their little ones and their wives in the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. And they took their cattle, their goods, which they had gotten in the land of Canaan, and came into Egypt, Jacob and all his seed with him, his sons, his sons' sons with him, his daughters, his sons' daughters, all his seed brought he with, brought he with him into Egypt. These are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt, Jacob and his sons. Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, the sons of Reuben, Hanak, Falu, Hezron, Carmi, sons of Simeon, Jemuel, Jemon, Ohad, Jachin, as Zohar and Shaul, the son of a Canaanitish woman, the sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohath, Merari, sons of Judah, Er, Onan, Shelah, Pharaoh, Zerah. But Er and Onan died in the land of Canaan, and the sons of Pharaoh were Hezron and Hamul, the sons of Issachar, Tola, Fuvab, Job, and Shimron, the sons of Zebulun, Sarid, and Elon, and Jaleel. These be the sons of Leah, which she bare unto Jacob and Pedanaram with his daughter Dina. All the souls of his sons and his daughters were thirty and three. The sons of Gad, Ziphian and Haggai, Shuni, Esbon, Eri, Aradai, and Arieli, and the sons of Ashar, Asher, Jimna, Ashua, Isua, Isui, Beriah, and Sarah, their sister, and the sons of Beriah, Heber, and Machiel. These are the sons of Zilpah, which Laban gave to Leah his daughter, and these bear these she bare unto Jacob sixteen, even sixteen souls. The sons of Rachel's, Rachel, Jacob's wife, Joseph and Benjamin. Unto Joseph in the land of Egypt were born Manasseh and Ephraim, which Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, of priest of On, bare unto him. And the sons of Benjamin were Bela and Becher, and Ashbel, Gerah, Naaman, Ehi, and Rosh, Mupin, and Hupin, and Ard. These are the sons of Rachel, which were born to Jacob. All the souls are fourteen. The sons of Dan, Husham, the sons of Naphtali, Jaziel, Guni, Jezer, and Shelem. These are the sons of Bilhah, which Laban gave unto Jacob. Laban gave unto Rachel, his daughter, and she bare these unto Jacob. All the souls were seven souls. Seven. All the souls that came with Jacob into Egypt, which came out of his loins, besides Jacob's son's wives, all the souls were threescore and six. And the sons of Joseph were born him in Egypt, were two souls. All the souls of the, of the house of Jacob, which came into Egypt, were threescore and ten. 
And he sent Judah before him unto Joseph to direct his face unto Goshen. They came into the land of Goshen. Joseph made ready his chariot, went up to meet Israel, his father, to Goshen, and presented himself unto him. And he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. All right. Now, so we've come to this time. We finally come to the time here when Jacob is putting into action this decision he's made when he said, I'll go. And, 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 he, and it says there in verse 5, he rose up from Beersheba and the sons of Israel carried their father Jacob. That's a tender scene. Carried Jacob, their father, their tender ones, their wives, in the wagons which Pharaoh set. Now, what, what, what's called out for us to see in this verse, in verse 5, specifically, is Jacob getting in this wagon that Pharaoh had sent to carry him. And there's Jacob. He's an old man. He's weak, but he's not proud. I mean, you know, he didn't say, I'm not getting in any stinking Egyptian wagon. (laughs) Are you kidding? Egypt is a land of idolatry, and I'm not an idolater, and Egypt can keep their wagons. I'm going to get in. I'm not getting into that wagon. And that would have been a proud position if Jacob had taken that position. It would have been arrogant. But he was not that way. He was humble, and he recognized that Pharaoh had sent these wagons. That meant that God was using a heathen king to, to, in his plan for Jacob. And what's so significant for us is it's called out that Jacob gets into the Egyptian wagon. And this shows us, you know, it's very easy for us as Christians to become proud and arrogant and look down and despise those non-believers and refuse to accept any help from non-believers. That's why this picture of Jacob getting into the wagon is so, so important for us to see. Now, the wagons identified, and I mean, obviously, we learned from before that Joseph had a role in getting everything ready that he was going to send to Jacob, but these wagons are not identified as the wagons that Joseph sent to them, to, to, to Jacob, his family. They're, they're identified in verse 5, the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. So it's a humbling experience for good old Mr. Jacob as he gets into these wagons that Pharaoh had sent him. And the way that it, that it explains it in verse five, it says, the sons of Israel carried Jacob their father. I mean, and, and again, that, that the main point there is that Jacob let his sons carry him. It shows the submissive spirit on the part of Jacob. You know, not one of, boys, I'll drive these wagons myself. No one's going to carry me down to Egypt. That wasn't Jacob. Jacob submitted himself all the way to be carried down there to Egypt. That's, it's very important. Now, this scene can't emphasize the importance of this scene here of in, in Israel's history as Jacob and his family are actually moving down to Egypt. And it's, and it's an important move. It's a really important move because it's called out in Scripture by others. Moses, and he's, he's asking Edom, which is the, the people that came from Esau, Jacob's brother. And he's asking Edom to, to, for permission to pass through the land in Numbers 20, verse 14. In Numbers 20, verse 14, it says, Moses sent messengers from Kadesh unto the king of Edom. And this was the message that he said. Thus saith thy brother Israel. 
Thou knowest all the travail that have befallen us, how our fathers went down into Egypt, and we have dwelt in Egypt a long time, and the Egyptians vexed us and our fathers. And when we cried unto the Lord, he heard our voice and sent an angel and have brought us forth out of Egypt, and behold, we're in Kadesh, a city in the uttermost of thy border." Let us pass, I pray thee, through thy country. We'll not pass through the fields nor through the vineyards. Neither will we drink any of the water of the wells. We will go by the king's highway. We'll not turn to the right nor to the left until we pass thy borders. He talks about it, that, that, that our fathers went down into Egypt. And Moses is explaining to them that, that, that we've dwelt in Egypt a long time. Yeah, 400 years, that's a long time. And, and then there was Joshua, and Joshua was explaining to Israel that God had given this mountain that he came, that they came to called Mount Seir to Esau, to Edom, to Esau. And he said in Joshua 24.2, Joshua 24.2, Joshua said unto all the people, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. And I gave unto Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. And I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. So Joshua's explaining again this important time in their history. King David uses a very interesting word when he describes them moving down to Egypt when he said in Psalm 105.23, Psalm, Psalm 105.23, Israel also came into Egypt and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. Use that word. Imagine that. The people of God coming into, the people of God moving into a heathen land and, 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 and to, to sojourn there. And they didn't make it their home. And they used this word sojourn. You know, the sojourn, like, okay, we said it lasted 400 years, but you would have thought that after 400 years that Egypt would have been their home. They would have settled down. But even after 400 years, Israel's stay in Egypt is just called a visit. They just came for a visit. And that's the way our life on earth has got to be viewed. We've got to look at ourselves as Israel in Egypt. And you would think that as comfortable as life is for us here on earth, that, it's, that, that, that it would be our home. No, it's still a sojourn. It's still a visit. It's just a temporary stay. That's the way it was for them. That's the way it is for us. And that's how God spoke about his people in Egypt when he talked about them in Isaiah 52.4, Isaiah 54, 52.4, he said, thus saith the Lord God, my people went down aforetime into Egypt to sojourn there. See, God looks on it and he says, my people went down there for a visit, just a sojourn. And then God used this place. God used Egypt, this, tem- this temporary place, to accomplish his purpose, which was to make them grow into a great and mighty nation. And, 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 and that's a picture for us. God keeps us down here on earth so that he can accomplish his purpose with us. It's a visit, it's a short time. Pastor Jim always used to say that, that, about life on earth is, it's a training for reigning. 
<laughs> That's what he used to say. A training for reigning. And when God has finished his training, then, like he did with the Israel and Egypt, it's going to call us out. It's going to bring us out of our Egypt. Stephen describes this move. Move, He says, he talks about it in his last words in Acts 7, when he says, Acts 7, 9, Acts 7, 9, patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him, delivered him out of all his afflictions, gave him favor and, uh, and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He made governor over Egypt and all his house. Then there came a dearth over all the land of Egypt and Canaan and great affliction. Our fathers found no sustenance. But when Jacob heard there was corn in Egypt, he sent out our fathers first. And at the second time, Joseph was made known to his brethren and Joseph's kindred was made known unto Pharaoh. Then sent Joseph and called his father Jacob to him and all his kindred, three score and 15, which is 75, so Jacob went down into Egypt and died, he and our fathers. So this is an explanation that Stephen is giving for this time. And what he says there is that Joseph was first sent into Egypt. Now, you know, that was a pretty hard way to be sent, to be sold as a slave, but that's how he describes it. And then he says that from Egypt, Joseph called for Jacob to come into Egypt. That's a beautiful picture for us. It's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ as Joseph and were like Jacob. See, just as Joseph was sent sent into Egypt through a terrible circumstance, being sold into Egypt there as a slave. And then he came into great glory. And the Lord Jesus, when he went to heaven, was sent through a terrible death, the cross, and then through the resurrection into heaven, and he came into great glory. And just as Joseph then from Egypt is calling to Jacob, come here, come, come to me in Egypt, that's what's gonna happen with us. From his place of glory, the Lord Jesus is gonna call us to come home to him in heaven. And then we'll go, just like Jacob. So the family starts out on this journey with the wagons that Pharaoh had sent in verse six, and then they arrive in Egypt, it's only about 40, 50 miles. See, and so it says there, they took their cattle, in verse six, verse six, they took their cattle, their goods, which they had gotten in the land of Canaan, came into Egypt, Jacob, and all his seed with him. That's very important. They came into Egypt. They came into Egypt. They arrive in Egypt. They see the place that God has, has chosen to be this kind of like hiding place for them. It's like a nest, there, they're, they're gonna be protected from the enemies in Canaan. They're gonna be abominable shepherds to the Egyptians, so they're gonna be protected from assimilating with the Egyptians because of that. Egypt is God's nest for them. He's chosen that as like an incubator for his people to grow into a mighty nation. They're a heathen country, but God used them to work out his purpose for Israel where they can grow into this large number. Now, in verse 7, it's emphasized that all of Jacob's family came into Egypt. See, in verse 7, his, uh, verse seven, his sons, his sons, sons with him, his daughters, sons, daughters, and all his seed brought he with him into Egypt. So it's emphasizing here, every member of Jacob's family came into Egypt. Now, you wouldn't exactly look at this family and say, well, they're all just, they just follow along here, that there's no independent thinkers or anything like that. But, but it, it's emphasizing that no one stayed behind. 
No one said, you know, you go ahead. You know, I really don't want to go to Egypt. You know, this is the only home I've known here. I like it here. So if it's all the same to you, I'll just stay behind in, in, in this place I've made home. No one said that. They all left. And that's very important now to provide this listing, which is really what's starting here in verse 8. It's kind of like a catalog of the names of everyone who came into Egypt. In verse 8, these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt. And so now we start this section here of the these are the names. These are the names. And these are the names of Jacob, his grandchildren, even some great-grandchildren are listed there. Now, I know what you're thinking. You know, you come to a passage like this, like all the sections that, that are like this in the Bible, and you think, oh, no, you <laughs> know, Here's another one of those boring lists of names I can't even pronounce. You know? And when we study the Bible, we so often move too fast over these kind of sections here and over these names without looking for any kind of meaning, any kind of evidence that we can get from these names. I mean, after all, the Holy Spirit chose to occupy some very valuable space in the Bible with names and we should ask ourselves, what is, how can that be important for me? What can I learn from it? Well, names are revealing. They're very revealing because they reveal the spirit of the families who gave, because those names were chosen by the parents. Sometimes God came along and said, I don't like that name. We have another name for you. But anyway, it shows us something about the parents. Names tell us about the family. For example, Whenever you and I, whenever we're invited over to some a house of someone we really don't know very well, what's the first thing you do when you when you when you come to a house into a house of a person that you don't know? Well, the first thing you do is you start looking around. You start looking around. You try to get an idea. What kind of people are they? You know. And I mean, I and whenever I go into a house, I always look for evidence of God. I say, well, do I see a Bible anywhere? You know, and that tells me if I don't, maybe there's an opportunity to minister here. You know, but but you have to know something about the person first, and because when you go into a person's house, you look at the choices that they made, you look at the pictures that are on the wall, and you ask yourself the question: What does the choice of that picture tell you about that about the person? We look at the magazines that we might see, to see what they're interested in. I remember one day when Pastor Jim and I were, were visiting the, the students. We were going door to door around San Diego State University where we were knocking on doors. And we came to one house and uh, I was wondering, I wonder what I should say to this student who's just opened the door. So I looked around, you know, behind him, you know, into the little place where he's living there. And, and what did I see? A Playboy magazine on the table. <laughs> And then I knew how to minister to him. I thought, to, and I spoke to him about the cleansing power of the blood of the Lord Jesus to cleanse him from his sin. It's very valuable for us when we look around homes where people live. Well, we don't have the opportunity to literally go into the homes of these children of Israel that are in chapter 46, Genesis, to get to know them. But we can get a tremendous insight into them by the names that they chose for their children. Now, I, I know that some parents choose a name for their child because they like the sound of it, you know, but, but, but not everyone does that. For example, my next door neighbor 
Matt Jones, he chose names for his children Jubilee and Ransom. That's the names of his kids. <laughs> Last Friday, Mike Johnson and his family were, were, were over the house and, and we're having, you know, another one of our big feasts. <laughs> when they come and visit, it's, we go from feast to feast because we like feasting. But anyway, uh, we invited a student that used to, from UCSD that he knew from his church. We invited him to come over. And so he came over, and I said, what's your name? And he says, Gendarme. I said, Gendarme? <laughs> I thought, how did you get that name? <laughs> I asked him, you know. He said, well, his older brother was out shopping for a gift of perfume, and he saw the name Gendarme. So he came home, and he suggested that's the name that his parents should name the newborn. <laughs> that's how he got his name. Now, I remember one time we had an applicant for a job at Scanabodies. And she had the first name of Avis. And I, and, and I said, well, what's your middle name? She said, Renicar. <laughs> okay. I remember when, when Cheryl was in the hospital having Joseph, giving birth to Joseph, and her roommate had a baby girl. And both the parents were drinkers. They liked alcohol. So they named their daughter Brandy. Now, so names tell you about the parents. So in Genesis, as we study the meaning of the names, it reveals to us what the parents were like. They, they, they chose those names. And so we look over verses 8 through 27. Now, first of all, in looking over these verses, 8 through 27, with all these names in them, there's something surprising about two verses. Look at verse 15 and 17. What is there that's, that's surprising about verses 16 and, verses 15 and 17? What is it? Who can see something different in verses 15 and 17 in this catalog of names? It's about the women. There's women. All the names who entered into Egypt, they're all men except for these two verses, which identifies two women, Dina and Sarah. Now, why, why are these two women found in this catalog, this genealogy of Israel? Because all the other daughters and the granddaughters, they got married and they, become, they became incorporated into the families of the tribes that they married into. But these two women never got married. So then they became counted as part of the founders of Israel that entered into Egypt. Now, this is the first indication in the Bible, or one of the indications about it's really not the first, but it's one of the indications in the Bible of the importance of women in Israel because this shows that the female inheritors in Israel, it shows this elevation of women in Israel. So now as we look at the meaning of these names, let's try kind of get an idea about the families. And let's look for God in the meaning of the names. Let's kind of get an idea how much godliness is there in each family. So first is Reuben's family. Now listen carefully as I tell you the meanings of each one of these names in verse 9. And then I'm going to ask you a question about what do you see God in these meanings. So Reuben has these meanings. Hannah has these uh, children. He named, they're named. Hanak is the choice. That means teacher. Falu. That means distinguished. Hezron, that means blooming or beautiful one. Carmi, that means noble one. Any of those names reference God? No, that's a little sad. (laughs) 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. The Creation and Earth History Museum is excited to present our Israel Live summer trips in June, July, and August. Experience a trip to the Holy Land where you'll walk in the footsteps of Jesus and His Apostles, visit some of the most important sites to human history, and seek to make friendships with Jewish people that'll last a lifetime and into eternity. We hope you'll join us in reaching the nation of Israel, one friendship at a time. For more info, visit us at israelalive.org. That's israelalive.org.